This is Lawyer to Lawyer with J. Craig Williams and Robert Ambrogi, two of the top web bloggers in the legal profession. And yes, they are attorneys, one from California and one from Massachusetts, squaring off on legal news and legal observations. Lawyer to Lawyer is sponsored by Law.com, right here on the Legal Talk Network. Welcome to the Legal Talk Network. We're glad you could listen today to Lawyer to Lawyer. I'm Craig Williams from Southern California. I write a legal blog called May It Please the Court. Bob? And this is Bobby Ambrogi from Massachusetts. I do the blog uh, Law Sites, also the blog Media Law. And this week I am at uh, Legal Tech in New York. I have been uh, wandering around here talking to various exhibitors, talking to some of the speakers, uh, many of the attendees, and I am uh, conducting interviews to find out what is new in legal technology, what kinds of uh, products are being announced here. We're going to have those interviews next week on Lawyer to Lawyer. Uh, for now, let me just say that uh, it's, it's probably one of the most uh, active legal techs I've ever been at, and I've been at most of them. Uh, a lot of people here, big participation. Uh, the big topic, of course, is e-discovery. Everybody's talking about it. Uh, but a few other really interesting uh, new products being announced. Uh, ALM, the host of this, has just announced the new Courtroom Live network, which will have live video uh, of uh, trials from all over the country and make that video available on an archival basis for research. And uh, more on all of that uh, next week uh, when we bring you the, the uh, interviews we're doing here at Legal Tech. Well, thanks, Bob. In this segment, we're going to be talking about what's new in legal technology from the experts. Today, we're going to welcome our guest, Monica Bay, Editor-in-Chief of Law Technology News. Monica is also the host of Law Technology Now here on the Legal Talk Network, and she's currently attending Legal Tech in New York. Welcome to the show, Monica. Thank you. I have to apologize in advance, Craig, because I, I sound a little bit like Kathy Bates. My uh, voice is uh, deteriorating quickly, so my apologies. It, it is that time of the year. I'm oh, having the yes. same issue. Absolutely. So let's get to the lowdown. What's going on at um, Legal Tech? Well, it's been incredibly exciting, and um, this year the show fell on a, a um, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, so people started arriving, of course, on Friday, and <laughs> it's just been a fury. The uh, Henry Dicker reported to us that the attendance is 30% higher than last year. It's booming so much that they've already made, made arrangements next year. We're going to take over some of the ballrooms for more exhibits. Um, of course, Craig, it's EDD 24-7. You know, e-discovery is clearly the most booth space, but we all know that's not the only legal technology. We're also seeing, I walked the show floor with our colleague and friend Craig Ball yesterday, and it was very interesting. The A lot of the financial analysis and, and competitive intelligence folks are here, uh, like Redwood Analytics, which was just bought by LexisNexis. Um, you're seeing see, uh, client relationship management, storage, um, an interesting combination of big guns from Thompson West and CT Corp, and then small little niche players like one of my all-time favorites, uh, Levitt and James, which does very niche software. For example, they have something called Best Authority. Its entire purpose is one thing to create tables of authorities. So it's you've been here, Craig, so you know what a cacophony it is. It's been great. It's just craziness, isn't it? Yes. So in addition to the stuff that's new, I understand there might be a little bit of a preview that we could talk about in terms of product of the year. I know you can't give away all the information yet. 
Absolutely. We had our LTN Awards dinner last night. The product of the year was Adobe's Acrobat 8 Pro. Uh, LexisNexis and CT Corp did extremely well in the vendor awards. And for the readers who might not be familiar, uh, we're in our fifth annual year of the LTN Awards, and they're divided into two types of awards. We have, um, I believe it's six awards that are juried. Uh, We have an independent jury, and they do the law firm law department awards, and we do one for the most innovative law firm, uh, which was uh, Goodwin and Proctor for a program they called iStaff. They do one for most innovative use of technology in trial, which was won by Ropes and Gray. There is a pro bono award, which was won by the amazing uh, Wills for Heroes um, uh, Foundation, which creates um, uses volunteer lawyers and LexisNexis's hot docs to create free wills for police, fire, and other first responders who historically have very few wills. Um, So we had the in-house was won by Kraft, uh, Gene Stavro. Then we had uh, the IT champion of the year and the IT director of the year, which were won by John, uh, I can't pronounce it, Sroko, I believe is correct, of Dwayne Morris for the IT director. And everyone's favorite litigation guru, uh, George Radoy of Sherman and Sterling, took the IT Champion of the Year. And I had a blast because I I got to announce those awards. And I gave, uh, being a true New Yorker, even though I hate football, I went out and got the the New York Giants Champions T-shirt, which I presented gleefully to George uh, along with his award. So that was real exciting. Um, And on the vendor side, I think we gave out 14 awards. The winners will be up on the Law Technology News website as soon as our web guru has a chance to breathe. It should be up in the next couple of days um, and also on um, Legal Blog Watch, um, our um, blog. And speaking of Legal Blog Watch, there's been some changes in that this year for the show. Oh, this is a fun story. Uh, One of the uh, prominent bloggers, Kevin O'Keefe, on Friday wrote a um, post, and this was, we were in the throes at ALM of, you know, it was one business day before the conference. Most of us start on Saturday uh, or even Friday getting ready for, you know, people start arriving and we're like up to our eyeballs and last minute stuff. And Kevin O'Keefe wrote a post basically challenging uh, ALM and saying um, that, suggesting that we really weren't doing as much as we could to support live blogging and was telling us about some of the things that are done at other conventions. That happened at about 9.30 in the morning. Um, I wrote a post saying, gee, you know, we've done this, 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 and this, but uh, I wrote a, a comment to him. But, you know, are there other things you think we should be doing? And in the meantime, internally, we put, you know, put the fire on and we came up with some ideas. And by 5 o'clock in the afternoon, we had decided to turn our legal blog watch column. The legal blog watch column, Craig, is a daily, it's your colleague Bob Ambrosi and Carolyn Elephant, who every day do a summary of what the hottest topics are among the bloggers who are part of Law.com's blog network. And I'm part of that with the Commons Gold and with our EDD update blog. And they also include some other blogs like and yours, some other topics. Like well, yours. Not only mine, but there are ones that are outside the network that they talk about regularly. 
Absolutely, and they do a great job. Um, and we had already planned to, Jill Winwer, who is the vice president of our Laudacom um, department, had already scheduled a bloggers gathering uh, that was this morning, and uh, that was originally intended to be a chance for the Law.com bloggers to get together. Well, one of the things I love about working for ALM is what I jokingly call in-house, let's put on a show. I did the post. All of a sudden, we got together and several of us started brainstorming, most notably David Snow, who is the executive editor of Law.com, and uh, Sean Doherty of the, who's a lot of comms tech editor, John Bringardner, who works with with uh, David's team. And in five hours flat, we decided to turn the Legal Blog Watch into a three-day, almost live from New York, river of information, and that we were going to invite any blogger who was going to be blogging from the show, whether they were journalist, vendor, analyst, uh, uh, you name it reporter, ALM person, to send us links to what they were doing and we would publish them. And John Bringardner has been spearheading it and he's just doing an amazing, amazing job. We got, uh, I immediately was able to negotiate to get all the non-vendor bloggers to get a free full conference pass to the show. We got, we managed to even get them to, in all the conference rooms, to put power strips in so people on the conference tables, so you weren't tripping over the wires trying to plug into the only thing on the side. We just tried to anticipate anything we could possibly do. And I even, we talked to our internal people and got an alias created so that the bloggers could send, um, could just simply write to legalblognetwork at ALM.com and it would go straight to John Bringardner. So it was just this really fun thing where in five hours flat we had our our we outsource uh, the the um, legal tech uh, website and the law technology news website is created by partners of us. They got on, they put links on, and, and, and I don't mean to bore people with the minutia, but it was just so exciting because in five hours we were able to take this is called internet time. We took an idea that started at 9.30 in the morning with a post by Kevin O'Keefe, and by 5 o'clock in the afternoon, we had an up-and-running model, and I invite our listeners to check it out because it really, really turned out amazingly well. I've been, I've been reading. It's almost like being there. It is, and, and Russ Curtis put photos up. We're doing – it just was I, – I know I sound so Pollyanna, Craig, but it was magical. Everything fell into place and to be and then we invited any blogger to come to our get together this morning didn't have to be law.com and we and I think I mentioned we gave full conference passes to any blogger except the vendors we couldn't do the vendors because it would have been 8000 people but we encouraged the vendors to post and it's just been one of those wonderful experiences where a complaint triggered this incredible thing and it's just the first, you know, so. So is that going to be on the agenda again for next year? Oh, I can pretty much guarantee you that. It, it just, I mean, you know, I can't speak for Jill when we're in her team. I'm just a lowly blogger. But to, we did this with Law Technology News and Law Com. And it's kind of fun. And, again, not to toot our own horn, but it's kind of an expansion of what happened when we launched the EDD Update blog, which literally came out of a conversation. I was sitting in David Snow's office and we were just brainstorming about what can we do with it. And I said to him, why don't we just do an ADD blog? And in 10 minutes, 
we we had come up with the idea of having a multi-author blog where authors had to be on either Sean Doherty's Law.com board or my board. It's a joint project between Sean and myself. And the whole thing, we came up with the idea at 10 in the morning. By 5 o'clock, I had a prototype on my TypePad account. We had to go through a little bit more hoops on that because it was a structural thing. We had that thing up and running in about 11 days. It launched on September 25th. The EDD update block is so hot, we're getting like 6,000 views a month, and the blog is 14 weeks old. That's great. 14, 15. So I think the message out of this, Craig, is not to toot ALM's horn, but how exciting it is to live in Internet things where somebody can have an idea at 9.30 in the morning, and it's up and running. When you're involving two outside folks and like six departments within ALM, West Coast people, East Coast people, and all on the day that had this not happened, we would have been up to our eyeballs anyway in all the prep for for legal tech. So, at, I, you know, it it was really really exciting. But I should probably let let us get back to the discussion of other things going on in legal tech, shouldn't I? <laughs> that is an impressive uh, situation to be able to talk about, and it really features the whole aspect of what legal tech is all about, which is being able to make yourself more productive, more functional, and faster turnaround. So when you were walking the floor, and it sounds like you haven't had a ton of time to walk the floor, but when you did, what kind of technology impressed you as you saw what was out there? I think there's, and you're right, I I was so wrapped up in the, um, uh, we did the LTN dinner um, a Tuesday night, and then this morning we did the editor's breakfast followed by the bloggers gathering, and I'm doing a panel this afternoon on green law. So you're right, I I haven't had as much time to go on the floor as I would have liked, but we have had a chance to talk to vendors, and Craig Ball and I did have an opportunity to walk a little bit. Obviously, the I think the biggest trend right now is the shift in electronic discovery from the prior mode of being, um, let's look for the smoking gun, uh, reactive, to a shift that I wrote about in the October issue of LTN called Undercurrent of Fear, a dramatic shift by almost all the vendors to what I call a more, a more litigation readiness consultative approach. The vendors are realizing that we're kind of getting into EDD, you know, 2.0, if not 3.0 right now, and things are starting to settle down. The federal rules have been in for a year. Some of the breathtaking verdicts have been in and are settling down. Sedona, in fact, Tom Allman, um, amazing guy, gave a really optimistic and positive uh, keynote address yesterday about what he sees as the good faith triumphing over abuse in e-discovery. And it seems like it's settling down, Craig. It's sort of like we're we're starting to see a lot of interest in international issues in in um, languages other than English and translation and privacy concerns. So it's it's people I think are recognizing that this is here to stay. That they have to have document policies, litigation hold policies, and established systems and protocols in place that are going to turn the e-discovery process into a more routine everyday event rather than a, a panic mode. And that EDD seems to be now getting into some of the more 
um, nuanced and global issues. There's still huge consolidation. I think there's still going to be, I mean, Craig was joking that if you stand still for five minutes at Legal Tech, you'll get bought by LexisNexis, Thompson West, or CT Kluwers. But you're still seeing a whole lot of, of purchases. There's tons of vendors out there, and I think there's still going to be roadkill, and there's some niche products. So it, it's still an evolving and somewhat scary development for particularly for the baby boomer leaders, but it is beginning to settle down. And Tom Allman's speech really kind of emphasized that. When you walked around and looked at technology and even from your own knowledge, you see some beginnings, some startup technologies, some new things, the kids, the new kids on the block. What kinds of things have you excited? This will crack you up. Craig Ball almost forced me to buy an iPod. You know, I am like the last person in the world who does not have an iPod, which I almost wear as a badge of honor. And I've kind of declared that, that, you know, I know I have to get an iPod because I'm tired of carrying my CDs on the airplane. But I have such a huge CD collection that I've been intimidated by downloading it. So Craig and I and Tony DiCerso of um, Clifford Chance were over at the Apple Store um, and this new Mac Airbook. Oh man, are people listening after that? It was a lot of fun on that. People are, I think the whole mobile trends, uh, GPS, um, jump drives, storage. I mean, storage is getting cheaper and cheaper and cheaper and cheaper. Online repositories, and particularly, I think firms are starting to look at green law and they're looking at virtualization of servers, and they're looking at ways to, for example, um, the Barclay um, court reporters did one of our green law columns last year about how they are encouraging litigators to use online repositories rather than ordering full trial uh, uh, transcripts. So you're starting to see green go mainstream as the firms realize that um, – you know what, there's this myth that if you go green, it's going to cost you money, and it's absolute, It's actually the opposite. If you adopt green law policies, you're going to save money, increase your profits, serve your clients better, and be a good corporate citizen. And we're doing a panel today on that, as a matter of fact, called It's Not Easy Being Green or Is It? So I saw that, you know, seeing that on the show floor, especially on um, the servers, that's a hot one. Um, I think mobile everything. Um, you know, personally, I finally broke down and bought a GPS, and I don't know how I live without it. I'm trying to think if there's anything else, Craig, that was really jumping out, but storage being cheap is a huge thing. I'm going to give you a few minutes to, or a minute or so to think about something new because we're going to take a break shortly, and we'll be right back with Monica Bay after this. We invite you to visit Law.com for timely legal news and in-depth resources. From daily headlines to practice-specific updates, Law.com provides up-to-date information to those working in the legal profession. As part of its coverage, Law.com is proud that J. Craig Williams' blog, May It Please the Court, and Robert Ambrogi's blog, Law Sites, are part of its blog network. Don't wait any longer. Visit Law.com today and get free subscriptions of our Newswire newsletter with the top legal stories of the day. Or sign up for a free trial subscription to one of our Practice Center sections. If you found us in the podcast library of iTunes, thanks for listening. Check out some of our other shows at LegalTalkNetwork.com and become a member. It's free. Check out our Lawyer to Lawyer host blogs, J. Craig Williams' blog at MayHavePleasedTheCourt.com. Likewise, Robert Ambrogi's blog at LegalLine.com for daily legal observations, perspective, and, of course, 
a healthy dose of humor and wit. Welcome back to the Legal Talk Network. This is Monica Bay, Editor-in-Chief of Law Technology News, who's speaking to us from Legal Tech in New York. As we get back into this and talk about Legal Tech, some of our listeners, and we have listeners across the world, uh, someone who's never been to Legal Tech and who's perhaps from another country, why would they want to come to New York and go to Legal Tech? That's a great question. And I think for those of us who are listening to before the break, one of the issues that I really see happening right now is the globalization of technology, particularly in the context of dispute resolution. One of the hot issues, of course, is there's huge differences in the legal systems from country to country. And at Legal Tech, there's a lot of vendors who are dealing with these issues. For example, there are very strict privacy laws in some of the EU countries about what data you can export or not export. Machine translation of files is huge. Unicode is huge. And many of the vendors, uh, one that immediately comes to mind is Catalyst Systems, which is um, John Tredenic is the CEO, and he used to be on my board when he was the uh, litigation head at Holland and Hart, and then they did a spinoff. And that's one of the many vendors that are really trying to get their arms around translation. George Radoy, uh, who won the IT champion, was one of a panelist a while back on a program I did, uh, just dealing with how do you deal with all these different issues. And that one of the aspects of legal tech is it's not just an exhibit form. They have days and days of fabulous panels. And I think if you're coming to legal tech for the first time and you're dealing with these international issues, the opportunity to listen to folks like um, Michelle Mahoney, who's new to my LTN board from Australia, and George, who has extensive experience, and folks like that, who can have already had some experience with some of the issues that you may be dealing with, I think that's a big plus. It's it, it's easy to get overwhelmed, but I also have some suggestions on how to deal with that. Does that answer your question, Craig? It does. Who are the kind of people that come to Legal Tech? Oh, boy, it is such a cacophony, which makes it so much fun. You get everything from IT folks, uh, CIOs, attorneys who are trying to learn about technology, um, vendors, general counsel. Uh, it's really a, a lot of litigation support professionals. And if you don't mind me making a comment which might be perceived as a total sales pitch, <laughs> one of the things that Henry Dicker told me yesterday was that they are now doing a law firm pass for legal tech where for a flat fee you can bring as many people as you want from your law firm. So a lot of the firms view it as a chance to get continuing legal education credits. And there are numerous tracks dealing with the wide range from newbie issues to the most sophisticated. Um, The one thing I recommend to everybody, though, is number one, wear comfortable shoes. Four-inch heels don't cut it at Legal Tech. And secondly, before you come to Legal Tech or ILTA or any large trade show, do your homework first and triage a little bit. Take the program guide. Figure out ahead of time what are your goals, what do you want to get out of this experience, Are you interested in a particular tech? Well, then you might want to look through 
the uh, program guide and identify four or five vendors you might want to visit. Think of questions you want to ask them ahead of time. And don't forget the networking value because the networking value is incredible. It's a chance to talk to your peers, to share notes, to realize that none of us are alone in this. We're all trying to do the best we can possibly do and the ability to, to enjoy the community. And even, Craig, the social events, the LTN dinner, which is in its fifth dinner, is such an exhilarating event. We um, dedicated it last night to a member of our community who we lost this fall, a wonderful, wonderful woman named Betsy Reynolds who was at uh, Manat Phelps, and we lost her to cancer, and we dedicated the, the dinner to her and made a donation to her favorite charity, which is Dress for Success, where women donate clothes to help underprivileged women ace interviews and be comfortable in the workplace. And you get that sense of community. You know, when you see a group like Wills for Heroes, use technology to help folks. It, it makes you feel like we're not just all in it to make a buck and, and succeed in our individual efforts. We are truly a legal tech community, and that is probably the most exhilarating part of this three-day adventure. Well, as you expand the community and other people get involved and you walk around on the floor, have you seen anybody talking about, not talking or maybe just presenting on uh, podcasting or blogging? Are there booths that deal with that or technology that's being uh, promoted about that? You know, Craig, to be honest with you, I didn't see any booths on that, but I think that there is a huge interest in that. And you know from your experience on how popular your program is, when your program's on iTunes, that's pretty cool. And the the accessibility of information and the – I think YouTube has had a huge uh, impact on this. The fact that now the bandwidth is strong enough – and I will tell you one product that I think is, is really going to have an impact. Cisco has developed something we just showcased in the February issue of LTN. And uh, if, you're, if your listeners are interested, they can find it at www.lawtechnologynews.com. And Lindsay Thompson did an incredible story about um, what are called telepresence products. And Cisco has one, and so does HP, called Halo. And what they are, are it's not a podcast, but it's a, if you will, web conferencing on steroids. They are literally life-size ability. They're, they're usually constructed in like a small conference room. It is so real that participants talk about after 10 minutes they forget that it's not really, that it's a remote experience and then these people aren't literally in the room because it's high def. It's high, the, the, the streaming is so strong and it's lifelike and it even projects this table so you feel like you're literally in the same room with folks. This is going to have huge, huge value, I think, in terms of reducing cost travel. Cisco has done it themselves in-house, and we interviewed Mark Chandler, and he cited all the travel money. And of course, you know, he's eating his own dog food, as the expression goes. But Cisco's law department alone has saved a ton of money by using their own product. And I think this will particularly appeal to multinational uh, law firms where they have offices all over the world. And I think that's an, kind of a variation on podcasts. And what I see is suddenly the bandwidth is there. Where can our listeners find that? It's on uh, Law Technology News's website, www.lawtechnologynews.com. 
And to me, what I see in terms of, Craig, you're asking about the big trends, bandwidth. Because because the bandwidth is strong enough now, it can support high def, it can support the podcast that we're list, we're doing right now. And when you have the real-time streaming, I watch baseball games on my computer on MLB TV. When the, the pipe is fat enough and the signal's strong enough, I think that's what's really fueling the phenomenons like podcasting. And pretty soon, podcasting, I think, are going to be true video casting. Uh, we're all going to be making little movies. And the ramifications aren't just for education, but law firms are looking into using this media for recruiting, for client beauty contests, for presentations. I think it's going to be really exciting to watch. You know, I don't know whether we call it Web 8.0, but I, I mean, what are your thoughts on that? You're dealing with this as well. I was, uh, I think, probably the first podcaster to start or the first blogger to start doing video uh, on my blog. And it, I stopped doing it because it was so early that it you couldn't download it. And it was, you know, and my technology was just this little little webcam kind of thing. Um, but I have been a big advocate of, of video, and I can't understand why more people don't use it other than the fact that the technology has been so limiting. And I'm excited to see the opportunities arise for a fat pipe to be able to communicate uh, with the level of, uh, of information that's required to be going over, you know, you have audio, video, and uh, coordinating the packets and the deliveries. It's just a, it's phenomenal to be able to see it. I think it's tremendously exciting. You know, this may sound goofy and consumer, but uh, if, if I have time to share one quick war story, I was obsessed with HDTV because I was so t- terrified I was going to buy the wrong one and get burned. And I was so obsessed with it that I actually did last January, a year ago January, an entire spread in LTN on HDTV. Now, if I was really honest, my motivation was I was going to buy one, which often is a motivation on why I do things in LTN. But I also recognized that if I was motivated by this, this is a technology that the law firms were going to want because they want to have the state-of-the-art panels and they want to have, you know, they're doing presentations and depots and stuff where they're, they're showing DVDs and videos. I was so blown away. I finally broke down after agonizing, and I bought a um, LG, which I absolutely loved. And I'm a typical New Yorker who has a postage stamp-sized apartment, and then we all buy small cottages in the country because we can't afford a real apartment. And I said to myself, okay, Monica, you're not buying a TV for the cottage. You're only there on the weekends. Would you like to guess how long it took me before I bought my second, and then my third HDTV? I'm afraid to ask. Two weeks. I lasted <laughs> two weeks. Two weeks. Now, I did compulsively look at all the prices and end up going to, you know, like Best Buy on Black Friday, the day after Thanksgiving when they have those incredible sales at the mall. I swear to God, I am absolutely convinced that HDTV is heroin, you know, and I'm addicted. But I look at that, and I always look at my own reactions to stuff. What a difference in the technology. And if you compare that to what we were just talking about with Cisco, nobody liked webcasting. You know, and you can never replace one-on-one meetings. I don't care how, you know, how awful travel gets. There are times when you have to break bread with someone and create a relationship. But if you can save sending four people over to London from California and for a 45-minute meeting and you're using your Cisco or your HP systems, 
and you can see the facial expressions, and you can hear it real time, and they're not flittering, and it's not giving you a headache, and the sound quality is good. And, and literally, the people I talked to said, they forget it's not real. It's almost scary. We're going to adapt to this so fast. Let's just hope that the technology comes down in price and looking at uh, no boy, telepresence and uh, Halo scan, the, or Halo, they're, uh, they're $250,000 to $300,000 systems. Yes. And there, and that is a huge issue. But if you're a, a, you know, if you are a company that is, I mean, what's the euro going right now over in in the UK? Try going to London for a week if you have to send five people. And I'm not trying to sell this for Cisco or for HP. And I, we all know that prices drop. But I would encourage people to read this article because it blew me out of the water. And you know, I'm paid to be a cynic, but Craig, it's just incredible. And if you are saving. The, the time, the money, the exhaustion. Think about it even in terms of the impact on young parents who don't have to travel or someone, you know, it, it expands the ability to be productive. You know, it's like all of us who are remote working right now. Who would have thought five years ago I could turn to my boss and say, Eric, I think I'm going to go up to Connecticut tomorrow and work from home. Yeah, it's a big change. Oh. It's a huge change. Well, Monica, we've reached the end of the program, and so we've actually this segment of the program because we're going to get uh, Bob Ambrosi's special report from the floor of uh, Legal Tech New York next week. And uh, so let's give our listeners where they should go and how they should get in touch with you if they'd like more information on the next Legal Tech and what's new in legal technology. Well, you're so sweet, and I so appreciate the opportunity to share this time with you. I I have completely enjoyed it. The next Legal Tech will be in Los Angeles, and it will be the last week of June. The address for Legal Tech is www.legaltechshow.com. You can find my blog, The Common Scold, at www.thecommonscold.com, and EDD Update is www.eddupdate.com. I am so touched and honored that you invited me to come, and I hope our listeners have enjoyed my monologue. <laughs> well, you also do a show on this uh, network, the Legal Talk I Network. Do. We, our show is called uh, Law Technology Now, and we did a special edition, which is up, up on the site, uh, that was, again, almost live from Legal Tech, uh, and that is already up uh, on the same site, I believe, with yours. And um, uh, you can catch it in two main places, LegalTalkNetwork.com or LawTechnologyNow.com. And I believe it's also on iTunes. And thank you again so much. It was such an honor to be on, on your wonderful program. Well, thank you very much, Mike. We really appreciate having you as a guest. And thanks to coming to us from Legal Tech in New York. That does it for this week's Lawyer to Lawyer. Visit us online at Legal Talk Network to check out all our shows. Thanks for listening to Lawyer to Lawyer with Robert Ambrogi and J. Craig Williams. We hope you'll listen again and check out our other shows on the Legal Talk Network. Lawyer to Lawyer has been sponsored by Law.com. The Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast, your resource for the tips and tactical advice you need to grow your business. Plus, keep up with the news and commentary you crave to stay one step ahead. It's hosted by me, Guy Sakalakis. And me, Conrad Song. Every other week, we break down the issues holding back your marketing strategy and talk about the changes you need to be prepared for. Check out the Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube.